morning, good afternoon, good evening, as our former and future manager might have said. Uh, welcome into the Carpet Chat, an Arsenal podcast that is now not bi-weekly, unless you mean twice a week, in which case it might be, and a podcast that is always your favorite. I'm your host, FFG. Joining me as always, a man who was not purchased for his goal-scoring ability, but who has a knack for scoring winners anyways. It's the 100 million pound man himself. It is Nomix. It is great to be back and with one less Brit with us. So um, we're back to normal operating procedure and hopefully we'll have a better pod because we had record low viewers last time. Yeah, you know, we, we had some issues with the last pod. We had some technical issues. We learned a lot from it technically. Uh, Nomix may sound different if you're listening to him. That is because uh, he has received an actual podcasting mic. Now, how he got his wife to buy him this for Christmas when she doesn't know he's on a podcast is beyond me. Um, But if he comes through sounding clear, that's wonderful. If he's still quiet, that's because he's whispering so his wife can't hear him doing the podcast. So, yeah, it just it it depends. You know, pros and cons, as with all things. And we are recording in the middle of a workday. So if we have to take a break for some work emergencies, once again, subscribe to our million dollar Patreon so that we can stop working. Yeah, exactly. If I I get laid off for this pod, then uh, it is on you personally, the listener. Uh, Before we get into the action, we've got a lot of X-Blame to cover. We, of course, will be recapping only one game. It's been a while since we've only had one game to cover on this podcast. Actually, we have two two games to cover. What's the second game to cover? We cover Wolves and uh, Luton. Oh, my God. This keeps happening. They keep playing football, man. This is awful. Who signed up for this? All right, we have two games to cover. We will cover the thrashing of Wolves 2-1, as well as the difficult, taxing, David Ryle-driven struggle uh, 4-3 over Luton. But hey, six points on the board, two games for the carpet chat. But before we get into that, Personal footy news, because I have plenty of great personal footy news, uh, starting and perhaps ending with the glorious, glorious victory by Aston Villa at home against Man City. I think 26 shots to two, utter domination. Uh, Some of us on this podcast with the name FFG uh, may have predicted Villa to be a top four contender before the season. We may have been attacked by the Unai haters out there on the Discord for suggesting that such a thing was possible. And uh, I think once again, it's been proven, you know, Arteta, tactical little 1-0 win with like five shots against City. Unai Emery, 26 shots, total dominance against City. Uh, I'm not saying which Spanish manager I'd rather have. I'm just saying it is time for yet another FFG victory lap, this time on the Aston Villa front. Yeah, and I I, I think I echo what you said. I think we both had Villa decently high. Um, I had Chelsea also very low, and they again got peppered uh, against United. Uh, and I believe on Saturday or Sunday, I did say that City were going to lose to Villa, and my prediction was correct, because it's not a prediction, it's a guarantee. And if you're listening to this before the uh, Spurs-West um, Ham game, there's also a prediction in the Discord for that, so join the Discord, and you can see what I, I predict, and get your bets in, too. Yeah, we're, we're cramming this one in before Spurs-West Ham. I, of course, was going to watch my actual favorite manager in the Premier League, Sean Dyche, and his Everton side uh, take down those frauds at Newcastle. Uh, we'll probably still be recording when that game kicks off, though, so I will miss a little of my magic Dyche ball, uh, having at least gotten to consume some emery ball on the weekend, so, or the midweek, rather. So, yeah, balance in all things. Uh, it's like eating too much chocolate, you know, too much brilliant terrorismo football. It's not good for you. Uh, We do apparently have two games to cover. We are going to cover them as one combined segment, however, but we have a lot to get into because we have a lot of X-Blame to divvy out, uh, largely to one person, but still a number of goals to cover. So we're just going to jump right into it. Start with the usual format. Arsenal 2, Wolves 1, Arsenal 4, Luton Town 3. Nomix, what is your clickbait headline of the week? Uh, Week 1 of the festive period in the Premier League. And Nomics, for the first time since getting his new podcasting mic, is muted. There we go. We are, uh, yeah, the more things change, the more things stay the same. I, I see some panic in Nomics's eyes. I see him looking back for a cable. Just let me know when you can hear me. Okay, we can, we can now hear you, Nomics. You're I literally here. press nothing. Um, mine is Houston, we have a goalkeeper problem. Uh, we entered the season without a goalkeeper problem. If we didn't sign David Raya, most of us would be 
okay at the worst with Aaron Ramsdale, uh, someone who maybe made one really big mistake last season, but overall was a solid goalkeeper, uh, uh, elevated our game. Um, and, and for some reason, Mikel, he just, he loves those girl that those ones that got away and he had to go for David Raya and create a situation where both goalkeepers now suck. They both suck in their own ways. Uh, Ramsdale is, has the yips with the ball at his feet and David Raya can't catch a cold. It's, it's, it's terrible to see. Um, maybe not the Wolves game for for Raya because he had nothing to do in the Wolves game. Absolutely nothing to do. Um, he had one shot that went in. That was a screamer. Not much you can do about that. But he was awful against Luton. Um, the the first goal, not his fault. Great header. It is what it is, right? The second goal, which uh, I believe that was the header, uh, the second header on the corner. People want to put some blame on... Declan Rice or someone not challenging him but you know it's such an easy easy punch out for any goalkeeper in the league even for even for Ramsdale Uh, and Raya fucked it and then he had to follow up with a shot right at him that he didn't want to save Ross Barkley scoring with his left foot Um, yes Ross Barkley still is alive and apparently playing football to offer one mild piece of uh, sympathy for David Raya, Ross Barkley was somehow channeling Dennis Bergkamp for 90 minutes. Uh, Ross Barkley is the god of that Luton Town muddy pitch. So, Yeah, Ross Barkley, when the game, when when he's playing someone actually good, he somehow shows up, but the rest of the season he is shit. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it was bad from David Raya. He, he's, it, there was other moments in the game where you just could see how scared he was uh, of the moment. Uh, something that we make a lot of people make fun of Ramsdale for is that he can't stay focused or that he, he you know, under pressure he struggles. But I, David Raya, I think, is much more of a what they call a mental midget than uh, Ramsdale. Ramsdale may may have ADHD, but you know that's something you can you can you can solve by prescribing certain medicine. But I think what David Raya has is he may not be a big a big club goalkeeper. He may be a very good goalkeeper for a mid table to a lower upper lower top table side, but I, I have a, I'm starting to believe that he just isn't a, um, a, a the right goalkeeper for a big club. See, I was expecting you to do some Ramsdale apologia in your headline, so my headline is I, I'm just going to go into mine, much like last year, last week's Kai Havertz loving. Uh, I, I think we have fairly parallel headlines again this week. My clickbait headline, Mike Mignan, you are a gunner. Uh, Some folks are going to be all over this. I I can just see the discourse already. Uh, Mikel Arteta has now spent uh, 120 million pounds total on goalkeepers or 140 million, 150 million, whatever it takes to get Mike plus the 60 million we'll have already spent on Ryan Ramsdale. The time has come to spend it. I. You know, it is David Raya's fault that he is uh, not mentally locked in for this job. He has been given the job. There is no reason that Mikel benching Ramsdale for him should affect David Raya's mentality, um, except to maybe embolden him, make him feel even better. But something has clearly happened, and I think the answer might just be that David Raya is not it. And the more I think and the more I research, you know, I love to do my own research uh, independently in the lab uh, with my devices. The more I begin to think that maybe it's not necessarily a mentality issue for Raya or Ramsdale, I think the issue is that uh, all but like four goalkeepers in world football are just absolutely shit. Uh, We've probably made goalkeeping too hard. You know, goalkeepers were not meant to have to play the ball with their feet, but you absolutely know I want a goalkeeper who can play with his feet. Um, because of that, that rules out some of the best keepers in the world. Not that we could get them, you know, your, your Courtois, your Oblox, these guys aren't coming to Arsenal, but even if they were, they don't play with their feet in that way. Ter Stegen, he's not coming to Arsenal. Allison Ederson, they're not coming to Arsenal. The best goalie on the move this summer was Andre Onana, and he is terrible and throws the ball into his own net every other week. That's actually the best guy. That's a guy who's better than Raya. That might be the third best keeper in the Prem, behind Allison and Ederson. That is not praise for Andre Onana. That is a condemnation of the goalkeeping position. There is one target. There is one guy out there to get. His name is Magic Mike. Spend the money, Mikel. Bring us a keeper, please. Hear me? No, yes, no. Now, now we got you. We lost got you, then we got you. Yeah, uh, you, you know, I still... I. And we lost C again. Um, 
Namix is saying he's like hand let holding. Me keep, let me keep, yeah, you're let me keep you're this in. down. Keep the yeah. keep the microphone on the yeah. desk, Namix. Yes. Yeah, I might have to stay on the surface for it to work. Um, yeah, but it's I, I have tw- Ramsdale's twenty four years old, and for in goalkeeper terms, maybe twenty five. In goalkeeper's terms, that's like eighteen years old for a winger. Like that is that is the infancy of his of his career. I still think there's something there. I think developing him to play with his feet, whether it's Aaron, you're not going to play goalkeeper in training for two weeks. You're just going to play in the field as someone who gets receives the ball, like some some like Jedi mind trick type stuff to get him comfortable with his feet. I think he has all the tools there. We also have to ask a question: If Iniaka Kana is the right goalkeeper coach, because we've seen this again and again with goalkeepers that they're missing a significant part of their game for us. And I know that Arteta loves the Spanish coaches, but he may have to look in-house at this and not really at the players. Um, in terms of what's in the market, Magic Mike is, I think, the one that we want. Uh, but uh, there's Diogo Costa. I think he's a he's the guy from Benfica who's highly rated. He's also just very tall. I don't know how good he is with his feet. But other than that, there's there's really just two good goalkeepers in the world right now um, if we're, that can do everything we want them to do. Uh, and they're not going to move from their clubs anytime soon, I think. Um, and I, I, I even, there, even there's like, three. I think you got respect to Stegen. There's there's three. Yeah, for sure. Ter Stegen would I think would be a great fit for us. But that's the, he's not. He, they're not leaving their clubs. As, but overall, yeah. Personally, for me, I'd rather have a goalkeeper who is a little bit dodgy with his feet, but can make all the traditional goalkeeper stuff work. He is a top tier at those traditional goalkeeper aspects. Um, right now, it seems like we have one goalkeeper who is above average in the goal the goalkeeper traditional goalkeeper categories, but below average with their feet, and then vice versa with the other one, which is just slightly below average with the traditional goalkeeper stuff, but above slightly above average with his feet. Um, if you mush them together, you'd have a half-decent goalkeeper, uh, but we cannot do that. Uh, but yeah, so it, for me, i just rather have a goalkeeper who can make saves, collect the balls in the air, punch the balls out, and be acceptable with his feet than what we have right now. Yeah, and, and yeah, I think we will bring in maybe our first mailbag question where this is not a mailbag episode, but we do love to engage our listeners, uh, unlike some podcasts who do not answer me and Namix's mailbag questions. Uh, Playboy Corny does want to know who even is Inaki Kana, where did he come from, and why do we trust his goalkeeping opinion? Uh, and I think to briefly answer that, he came from Brentford, where David Raya came from. Uh, he, he, I think he met Thomas Frank in the Netherlands or something like that, one of those, you know. Central European countries that we don't know about as Americans. Um, Europe ends east of Germany for us, so we, we have no idea. Uh, and they're, they're buds ever since, and he just carried his way to the top. Uh, people don't know because my ball knowledge is so high. I kind of come at this from a, from a hockey perspective. I'm, I'm a hockey guy by trade. Um, professionally, I'm a player in the NHL is, is what I'm implying, of course. Um, and it's very common knowledge. It's understood, I think, by most ice hockey fans, that coaches don't know goalkeeping. It's like your eye doctor. I don't know if anyone else has an eye condition. Your regular doctor does not know shit about the eyes. Your regular football coach does not know shit about goalkeeping. It's understood in hockey that the goalie coach is in charge of the goalies, and I think it's the same case in soccer or footy, depending on which side of the pond you're on. The goalkeeper coach needs to be in charge of the goalkeepers, Because with everything else that a coach has to understand about outfield play, they're not going to be able to work with the keepers. Uh, So I'm sympathetic to Arteta for trusting in Akikana because you don't have a choice. You have to trust your goalkeeper coach. You cannot micromanage your keepers as a head coach. It's impossible. It's too much work. But we probably have the wrong guy in there. And uh, unless runner Alex Runnerson comes back to the club in the form of his life and becomes our new number one, I think that's the only thing that could save Anaki Kana from being absolutely mudded and uh, hopefully being the next coach out in our in our arsenal coaching carousel of sorts. Yeah, and I, and I think you mentioned that he that Anaki Kana might have worked in Netherlands, right, or uh, something like that. Uh, he, he came from whatever league I, Frank I, came from the, before yes, Brentford. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. And you said we don't pay Americans don't pay attention to countries uh, that are east of Germany. Uh, Netherlands is west of Germany, so we're gonna pretend like that didn't happen and move irrelevant. On to the next, <laughs> move Objection on to the next irrelevant. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Um, 
I, for me and Yakakana, the, the the sus meter went off when he brought in Runerson. Um, I, I try to meme Runerson into um, meme some support into Runerson in the Discord when we signed him, uh, bringing up all these advanced analytics and stuff like that that showed that he was not the worst goalkeeper in France, but like the fifth worst goalkeeper in France. Uh, so it, it didn't work. It didn't work. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I I think Arteta not only doesn't know goalkeepers. I don't think he knows goalkeeper coaches. I don't think he knows a, what a good one looks like. Uh, and where do you even find one, right? Because you look around the world and all the goalkeepers are ass. Like they're all, they're all bad. They're not good. Like Liverpool are good, not because of the goalkeeper coach, because they have a generational goalkeeper. Like Allison is a generational goalkeeper. Um, my, my working uh, my my hypothesis is that if you need a goalkeeper, co- goalkeeper, goalkeeper, coach, just go to Germany, find someone. They seem to develop goalkeepers pretty well. Just just get a goalkeeper coach there, find an academy, take them, be like, I need a goalkeeper, help me out, develop my goalkeepers, and then move on. But I think we I think we've exhausted the goalkeeper talk for one episode. Yeah, uh, which again, we are very blessed that now that the Havertz wars have been settled, we have more time to argue about goalkeepers because there's nothing else to discuss. But you're right, we'll we'll move on to our normal format. Um, after I think just maybe a quick geography lesson, uh, Europe is west to east in a straight line, Portugal, Spain, France, Germany, they're just kind of a rectangle. And then above that's an island. And that's the UK. That's, that's the, that's Europe. That's the geography. I've, I've seen it. Um, moving on, let's get into the action of our games. We did, of course, that, that was clickbait headline. We, we may have forgotten. We're still in our format here, which does mean up next is the chub of the week. We do have a lot of X-Blame coming, but we're going to do the full format before X-Blame. Nomics, I'm just going to toss this one to you again. I think we went back and forth long enough that's still the ball in your court. Who is your chub of the week for six somewhat dodgy Arsenal points? And, you know, it's 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 going to be Gabriel Jesus um, for a whole host of reasons. He's just changed our attack. And we us in the pod have been saying, you know, our attack has been good except for the striker because Enkedia hurts our wingers, hurts our play so much that I think even Arteta is realizing that. And to the point that he's not even thrown into these games where we need an attacker in the field to score, he's not even throwing Enkedia in there anymore. But um, yeah, Gabriel Jesus has been amazing for us. Uh, Martinelli has been better because of him. Saka has been better before because of him. Havertz has been better because of him. Odegaard has been better because of everybody. The whole attacking front has been. Uh, specifically, those runs he's making into the box where he's dragging two defenders, leaving the space open behind the center back where Havers is just walking in and tapping the ball into the net. Um, and then there's those plays that he's dropping into the sixth position or eighth position and Havers is playing second striker, playing stretching us at the nine. It, we are so dynamic with Gabriel Jesus. Even if he's not playing well per se, the movements he makes, the tackles he makes, just the influence he has in the game, the the, the issues, the trouble, the 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 um the frustration he caused other teams just from just from his his uh what's the word I'm looking for his um intention and in how he makes his runs, the intention of how he does everything is something that we really miss from him. Uh, that it's something Enkedia could never do. He could make the same runs, he could make the same movements, but the intention is never there with Enkedia. It, it never, it doesn't convince you, right? Like you look at him, make those runs, you know he's not getting the run, the ball. With Jesus, he'll make those runs, he knows he's not getting the ball, but it looks like he's going to get the ball. Um, it, it, it's just a big part of the way we play, and it, it, it's, and we probably jinx us like we did Tomiyasu last episode, but we need to keep him fit. We need him to stay fit and we need him to play as many games as possible from now until the end of the season. It's funny. Of course, you list all of these ways. Gabriel Jesus helps our team. And you don't even mention that this is the man Pep Guardiola called the best defensive forward in the world. And I think accurately called right? all of the ways he makes our attack click. Plus the ball recoveries, the pressure, the pressing he does, the actual defensive contribution, just dropping back and playing defense. I fully support this chub of the week. The streets remember, the real carpet chat fans remember, I wanted to make Gabby Jesus my player of the season prediction. I wanted to make him our Arsenal top scorer prediction. But like moments before we did our carpet chat season preview pod, it was announced, of course, that he was having that that cleanup knee surgery and I backed out of all of it. I think we're finally seeing inform, not even in, I don't even mean to say inform like he's in a purple patch. We're finally seeing kind of in rhythm back to 100% playing with the squad, not worrying about his body, not worrying about his fitness. Gabby Jesus 
this is the level he reaches and this is what he does for our attack. I am fully with you, Nomics. I, I think we had the theory, uh, said quietly at times, loudly at others, that all of the Arsenal attacking problems at the start of the year were a result of no Gabby Jesus. Um, now, some would say that's because of Eddie and Kedia. Some would say that's because of no Gabby Jesus. You know, pick your pick your poison, tomato, tomato. We're seeing the attack flourish. We're seeing Gabby Jesus deliver, and I am fully with you. He is uh, the chubbiest chub of the week. Um, oh, and you know, also don't you talk about his relationship with other players? I am not naming Kai Havertz my chub of the week, so I'll throw it in here. The Jesus goal against Luton actually saw their roles reversed. It was Havertz attacking the area, drawing a couple of defenders with him, and Jesus ghosting in behind him and being unmarked at the back post to head one home. So uh, we're even seeing that type of interplay developing between Jesus and Havertz like we've seen between him and Martinelli, him and Saka. He connects with guys. He, he is an easy guy to play off of, uh, and, and you really understand why. One of the biggest ballers in world football also. Just a, a guy aesthetically. Like, you watch Jesus play. You watch 90% of forwards play. Jesus plays the way you want to watch. Uh, all determination, dribbling, playmaking. It's it's extraordinary. It's exceptional. Oh, you're, uh, we've lost you again, Nomics. <laughs> Nomics versus his microphone. Uh, I'm imagining there this. Go. There we go. Wait, there we go. We're good. Okay, okay. I don't know what's going on with this. Uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Work in progress. Um, we'll talk to Progresso Soup. Um, you, you you mentioned that uh, that people were blaming Eddie for the issues earlier this season. The the laziest thing that I think I saw from every from all the Arsenal talking heads is that the attack wasn't clicking. Is this a big concern? Martinelli's not scoring. Saka this. Odegaard that. Without looking at how we were playing we were playing well and it seemed like the ball would just die in certain areas because of a certain person and i think it's less on eddie and more on how good jesus is because i don't know who you bring in um in world football who can do what jesus is doing perhaps you could get like a watered down version and bring in cunha from wolves and get like an eighth of what jesus is doing but in general forwards aren't like the the trend of forwards isn't what jesus is doing it's what highland is doing it's playing being those big uh, front men who are just poachers right and I think Arteta's kind of trying to trying to steer away from that just because the market there's opportunity there if you can find the right players who are more connective than they are poachers um, it's so yeah, funny you it, think about who yeah. does what Jesus does and I think you have to get into the mental resilience of, of Gabby Jesus a guy who can go and wear the Brazil shirt tell the media I'm not really a goal scorer and keep on playing at this level because you know who does 90% of what Jesus does as a nine is Kai Havertz and being a nine who doesn't score that many goals shatter them at Chelsea. It's an impossible mental role to play to be a nine and not be the guy banging them all in. And I think just that's an interesting additional factor of Jesus there because Kai Havertz is the guy who does everything Jesus does, but you play him at striker. If he scores nine goals on the season, he's going to have a breakdown. Jesus is going to realize that he uh, he won his team 30 games and he's going to be okay with that. Yeah, and as a Brazilian, it's the most frustrating thing is seeing the national team not not realizing what they have in Jesus. They have so much, with especially with Neymar out, like they have the ability to solve two issues with one player, but instead they are trying to make him something he's not, um, which, you know, maybe Arsenal get lucky and Brazil won't bring him to future matches but as long as they have denise they probably will but they're he he's so undervalued i think um and I, we're gonna have trouble finding a compliment or replacement to him to so he doesn't have to play 50 games a season just for us to click um maybe it's trissard maybe it's honestly it might be trissard you might be able to teach trissard how to play that role but i also since you're not doing havertz as your chub of the week i did want to say like He's been fantastic the last two games again. Uh, best two. He's just getting better and better. Seems like that. Seems like that tackle at Newcastle kind of just made him just kind of get that "fuck you" attitude. Um, and it's kind of been it's been great for us. So I think he's gonna do. I think he's gonna do really well on Saturday. So I'm ho- I'm excited to see what he does against Villa. I have, I have a prediction with him, uh, of him scoring a goal this weekend to keep his streak alive. But yeah, he's been. He's also sl- like like slyly revolutionizing our attack as well yeah I'll, I'll take the the Havertz chub and run with it into my chub of the week 
the one extra note, I, I think everyone has realized that Havertz is dribbling people now, and that's the, oh, he's confident, he's figured it out, as we've seen him take on his man a couple of times across a couple of games. Uh, and we see that insane burst of speed he has. He is genuinely a very pacey player. He just has these giant 6-4 strides, so people don't really notice it. Uh, the other element of Havertz that I've loved seeing, I loved his reaction to his goal against Luton. He was furious. He was so angry. The fans, I'm sure, were being horrific. Those Luton fans are, are bastards. The forwards were getting the crap kicked out of them, and a little, any little bit of retaliation was a foul and a, a yellow for Jesus in that case, uh, coming back the Arsenal way. Guy Havertz was playing mad, and he was playing determined. There was no donkey celebration when he scored that. There was no goofy smile and fist bump. He punched that ball away and looked like he was ready to kill someone. And that's the other part of Kai Havertz, right? Mikel Arteta loves tactically smart physical players, certainly, and Havertz is a rare combination of those two. Mikel Arteta loves fucking warriors, and Kai Havertz demonstrated that he is absolutely ready for the big fight any match week against any opponent, right? Big game at Newcastle, sure. Little game against Luton, doesn't matter. Kai Havertz is here and he's ready to fight. Uh, but he is not my chub of the week, in part because you know the manager messed up and didn't play him against Wolves. Uh, it could have been an easier win if he had. My chub of the week is going to Martin Odegaard, a guy with a goal against Wolves, an assist against Luton. But I think above all, uh, a changed role in subtle ways, but in ways that I think the fans are starting to notice. We're playing, we're not really playing a 4-2-4. No one really plays a 4-2-4. Even when Brazil goes out there and claims they're playing a 4-2-4, they're not. Uh, Rodrigo plays attacking mid for Brazil. But we're playing something a little closer to a 4-2-4. We know that left eight role is a hybrid striker. We know Kai's in the box. We know both wingers are bringing width, and we know Jesus kind of goes wherever he wants, which sometimes means in front of the striker. It sometimes means behind the center backs. It, It is what Jesus does. Martin Odegaard, I have always thought, and this is going back to when I was admiring him from afar before he came to Arsenal, I always thought he was more Modric than Ozil. I always thought he was a playmaker from deep, a guy who needs to get on the ball constantly because he's a guy who can progress the ball, who can play key passes. Uh, he's not Mesut Ozil in the attacking area. He is not the world's greatest chance creator, the world's greatest assister. But what he is, is a world-class midfielder who is genuinely a midfielder. He is not a a free 10. He is not a guy who can't handle responsibility. He is a guy who thrives with responsibility. By having Odegaard drop deeper, play more passes earlier, and get on the ball as often as possible in deeper areas, we're giving him more responsibility. We're taking the ball away from, you know, a Declan Rice, who's maybe a little less comfortable on it, from a Zinchenko, who we know can be sloppy with it. And we're giving the ball to our best playmaker, our captain, our maestro, the guy who pulls the strings. And it's we're reaping the benefits. It, it, it opens the ability for a Havertz to crash the box more. It opens passing lanes for Odegaard himself. And at the end of the day, you see the goal he scored against Wolves. He is still able to creep in from that more uh, that, that slightly deeper position and fire in those beautifully placed shots from the edge of the box. I think this is the perfect role for Odegaard. I think this is where he'll play long term. Uh, I think the 15 goal days of last year are probably done. But I think that was always going to be tough to match anyways. And I think now we're, we're really going to see the best of him. Maybe not as a goals plus assist guy, but as a total footballer, which is exactly what I think Martin Odegaard is. Yeah, Martin Odegaard has been amazing for us. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I try. To, I find it hard to find a comp for him, right? Because I, I think he's more attacking than Modric, but obviously he does dirty work more than Mesut Ozil did. I think he's just his own type of player. I think he's his own modern day eight slash ten. Um, I'm leaning more toward eight because we're in the attacking third for eight for 70 minutes out of the game. He is a 10 in that regard. Uh, He's a modern day footballer. I think that's a lot of our players. People have issue or trouble trying to describe exactly what they are there. We have a lot of modern footballers. Saka is a modern footballer. 
um, Odegaard is a modern footballer, Declan Rice, a modern footballer, uh, Jay Zeus, modern footballer. I think Martinelli might fall in the more traditional winger type of category. I think Havertz, modern footballer as well. Um, it, so it's hard to kind of, it, it's hard to kind of describe what they are. No one plays one position. I think that's something we have to realize. Except for William Saliba, nobody plays one position on this team. Um, everybody's playing multiple positions. Gabriel's joined the attack in certain situations. He's playing left back in certain situations. Our left back's playing center mid and so on. Um, he's been fantastic for us. Um, it, it's funny that none of us are are giving Declan Rice uh, a chub. But I think the reason why Declan Rice is even in the conversation is because of Martin Odegaard. It, it's, it's the, it's, for some, very rarely can a team give two players complete control of what they want to do, whatever they want on the pitch, because a lot of times those roles overlap, but the way that Declan Rice and Odegaard complement each other, you can be like, you can do whatever you want on the pitch. Same thing with Declan Rice. You can do whatever you want on the pitch. We trust you. And they do, they seem to do the right things every single time. I, I yeah, think I, Jesus too. I think the entire, you go down yeah, like the Jesus spine of too, the team, yeah. everyone's just doing what they want and it, yeah. it works. Yep. And I think the system is, it, in a way similar to kind of how Arsene Wenger started to play when he first came, where he gave freedom to people in the beginning of Arteta's reign. It was a lot of um, set roles. You only want to occupy this part of the pitch. I only want you doing this. And it wasn't because he didn't trust the players or because players weren't good enough is that he needs to lay down the foundation of what the foundation of this team is. And then after we, we get the foundation down, we're good with the foundation. Then we can open it up a little bit. Um, it, it's very interesting. I think the way Arteta manages his team, it's it, people want to call him mini Pep. I think it's very different than what Pep does. I think he gives his t- players much more freedom than what Pep does. I think at the end of the day, Pep wants to be the one responsible for what's going on. I think Arteta is giving the responsibility back to the players a lot more now than he was a year ago, two years ago. Um, it's, it, it, I don't know where this where this team is going. I, I, for me, the 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 working theory I have is that's going to be a free-flowing system where no one plays positions except for a couple players, and everyone's just going to be kind of like, you, you're you smart enough to know where to go. You're smart enough to know your responsibility. You go do it. If you don't go do it, I'm going to bring someone else in that I trust to do their responsibility, but also having the freedom to do what they want. It's very interesting, and I think this team has such a high ceiling that we're not even close to seeing yet. And yeah, the thing is, is you do still see the rewards of that rigidity that Arteta emphasized early. If you look, automatism isn't the buzzword in football this year. I think that was last year. Last year was was Conte's automatisms, Arteta's automatisms, Pep's automatisms. Uh, But you do still see them from time to time. There's a lot of freedom. But it's especially when we're building up play, when we're playing out the back, when guys are filling in for each other, you know, after Gabriel goes on a random run from left center back, when you catch maybe a Declan Rice drifting back into his role, you still see those interchanging parts. And I'm not sure if you develop those types of little rules, those little bits of rigidity without having the more rigid setup that Arteta had at the beginning. So I, I think there may have been a method to the madness beyond, uh, well, we have Willian and all of these awful players here and they have to do something. So. Yeah. And I think you see it around the league with these new managers, you see Eric Ten Hag, you see Pochettino coming in and they're trying to get skip steps to get where they want to be. And it just doesn't work like that. Sometimes you have to swallow your own pride. Look at your team. Be like, what do I have going on here? For example, United, you're not a good, you don't have any midf- your midfield's trash and your attack isn't very good. You have to set up. If I was them set up in the low block, just be strong try to counter and score like it was when they first started with Eric Ten Hag and before he got out of that until you have the players. I mean, that's a different issue for them to, to kind of take the next step. Chelsea, similar thing that they, they're trying to play poach 2019 Spurs football without having the players or the system ready to play that type of football. Um, it, it, it's just, I come, I come, I think Arteta learned that too, right? We had those those issues in the beginning of his his first year until the Chelsea game at home, where ESR saved him, where he had to kind of he tried to play it his way, and he realized, okay, I can do certain things my way, but I have to swallow my pride and kind of play some ugly football, play some Burnley ball until I have the players in this in they understand what I'm doing. Yeah. So you know, it's a lot of patience. This is, I know this is this goes this kind of all 
off of your Odegaard chub of the week, but it, it plays a role because Odegaard is the was the first piece. Odegaard is the first piece to this whole system to changing how we play. And he had the similar Arsenal career where he wasn't very good when he came. Not very very good. He wasn't he wasn't stand out when he came in. He had his moments, but it took him some time to get used to what's going on. And now he's un, he's unplayable. People compare him to compare him to Bruno, which is a disrespect to Odegaard. I, I, I think I think Odegaard is uh, be, next to Kevin De Bruyne, who's injured, the best um, midfielder who is an attacking midfielder, but not quite an attacking midfielder in in the Premier League. Bernardo Silva. I, I raise. Oh, it I also that. do love Bernardo Silva. Yes. Bernardo Silva, the actual. Best attacking midfielder on Man City. No, I, I think that's all great. I think that's all well and good. Um, my one closing thought is uh, maybe a shout out. We know we have some United fans who love to listen. You know, we're a big podcast. We have a lot of fans everywhere. That phase you're talking about where ESR came in on Boxing Day and saved Arteta's job, that's kind of the phase Ten Hag is in right now. Those Arteta got results playing Terry's Mobile 3 at the back. He decided it was time to make his first shift to start trying to control games. And he nearly got fired. Uh, and, and, you know, we saved the day. He's here to tell the sale. And uh, I think for any United fans out there, you have to keep Eric Ten Hag in this job. It's going to be just like Arteta. Don't worry. He's not too old. Your players aren't too terrible. It's not, uh, he's not a disaster. He is clearly on the Arteta path. And all Arsenal fans will tell you, you must keep this manager. We all want to see Eric Ten Hag employed at Man United for as long as possible. Yeah, and you know, uh, I think if you keep that trust, his hair might grow back too. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, they might get a cash and dunk, uh, injection of a three billion dollars, and Bobby's coming. You just got to, you have to stay with him because everything can go, everything can fall if you don't stay with him. You know, a big win against Chelsea, massive win. You know, a very impressive win against a really really good side. You have to you keep it. You have to keep it moving. Got to keep it going. Trust Ten Hag. Give him all the money in the world. Keep backing him. Keep backing him. It's the only way. Uh, on to our, uh, so Namis, jump in if you think this is soft, if you think this is wrong. We're, of course, doing slander. Everyone must be slandered. Should we exclude David Raya from Slander Center because our headlines slandered David Raya and because we all know what is there? It can't be slander if it's true. And we all know that David Raya is in let the me, mud. Let me start then because I think I'll be able to round it up while touching on him and also not making him my slander center. Mine's going to be Mikel Arteta. I know we just sung his praises for 10 minutes. Um, I think he's had kind of a shocker the last, not in terms of tactics, right? In terms of, I think, players. Um, uh, bringing in David Rai, like previously mentioned, create a problem that we didn't have, create a problem that wasn't needed, create a problem that is now the forefront right, uh, and, and the topic of conversation. Um, I, I think if we only had one goalkeeper, whether it just be David Raya or whether it just be Aaron Ramsey, I'm not just saying don't bring David Raya in. I'm saying bringing in another goalkeeper when you have one almost as good, if not maybe a little better, on par, essentially. Um, in the Wolves game, take out Zenchenko after 70 minutes. Just take him out. Like There was no need at all. The game was under control. I know Zenchenko was a reason why the game was under control, right? But you, we know, we've seen this script before where he has amazing games and then 70 minutes hits and he gets burned. He makes a stupid pass. He falls asleep. You can't you can't play him for 70 minutes. You just can't. You have to sub him out. He's been so good with that this season and he fucked it. He fucked it against Wolves. Thankfully, it didn't cost us. Nearly did. Thankfully, it didn't. Um, I want to touch on the Eddie thing as well. Uh, we renewed Ed- Eddie's contract when we all knew he wasn't the answer long term for us. Um, the future for us. He didn't play the way that Arteta wants him to play. It was more like, thank you for being hardworking. Thank you for being an academy prospect, a product who is who, who kind of just like, for lack of a better term, shut up and dribble. You do what I, I say. I, I, you do what I tell you to do. You always show up. You're never injured, right? That's essentially what the contract was for. I think you're re- starting to realize that maybe that was a mistake. Maybe we should have gone out to the market, but got somebody else. Um, whether it's a younger player, whether it's a player that fits the profile of Jesus more, he's stuck in the situation where he can't not play Jesus in Premier League games, in Champions League games. If we need a goal, you really can't bring on Eddie, especially if, if we have control of the game, because he doesn't do anything when we have control of the game. He's more of a counterattack striker. He, he's he, we need some we need spa- he needs space to kind of do his his work that we're not getting right now. 
So it, it's definitely an issue for us. Uh, maybe we'll solve it in January, but probably not. Um, so I just think overall, Arteta, th- this is a very, this is a very, uh, very rough, a very harsh uh, uh, slander center. But it's just it, it, there's not many bad things going on right now. There's really not, um, and I think that we need, we're striving for perfection. And I think the th- issues that we're having now are self-inflicted and less on the tactics of this team and 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 the actual starter quality of our team. And you know, as as Mikel himself once said, you get better every day. And it, uh, we all know Arteta has seemingly fixed any potential issues he has in just about every element of coaching, tactically, coaching the attack, coaching the defense, controlling games, etc. But we also know about these little personality quirks. He has a tendency to hoard players, and he has a tendency to burn players. And at times, that's a tricky combination. It's almost better he loves both because we've hopefully hoarded enough players that when he burns a guy like Aaron Ramsdale, we are ready to deal with it. And similarly, uh, the other way around, right? When he hoards a guy like Reese Nelson, there's probably a guy who's going to get burned in front of him. You give me eyebrow. You think Reese Nelson's played enough this year, Nomics? You're, you're about to back your way into slandering Reese if you're not careful. So I, I think we're all aware of these minor shortcomings of Mikel Arteta. I think most of us have faith he will work on them as he has worked on any other holes in his managerial game. But I do think that's fair. I, I think there is those two combined tendencies to burn guys he's not using and to hoard guys he thinks he might use. Uh, they're a dangerous combination. Sometimes they're an offsetting combination, but we're, we're seeing the consequences of that. And I think you're right. Ramsdale and Kedia, those are the guys we're seeing him from. Yeah. And I, I just touched a little bit more on that. Um, we do have the benefit of this being his first managerial job. I know he's been in it for four years, but you know, a couple of those years were COVID years. He's not really learning much in terms of like what actually goes on in real football. Cause that wasn't real football. The COVID years, we all know that uh, this isn't Eric Ten Hag where he's on his third job, whatever high profile job. This isn't 60 year old man. Eric Ten Hag. This is, yeah, this is an Emery, right? The, like those, those, all those managers are touching AARP soon. You know, if they lived in the U S Arteta has a long way to go. Um, Reese Nelson too. I, I, I feel like there's places you can put him in these games get these minutes because you don't know if you're gonna have to rely on him later on this season and you're gonna throw him cold let him catch some form right like are there games that he could have threw in Reese Nelson earlier I think so could he get Reese Nelson a start in certain games I think so um I I am a Reese Nelson fan but you look at underlying stats and he's better than Mbappe so you know we have to be throwing him out there more often because he actually does produce well when he's playing with the first team when he's playing with those team those players around him who understand the system it's kind of harsh when you throw him out there and he has Enkedia with him he has Fabio Vieira with him you know he has those type of level players with him he has to play with players that are that understand the system because I think Reese Nelson does understand the system and I think Arteta really hurts us when he keeps those players um, cold for so long and then when crisis hits we use them I did like him starting Kivior against Luton it's one of those situations where you know it didn't work out right it didn't work out but it's his first game in god knows how long in the in the Premier League uh, get those minutes under his belt he's gonna get better he's gonna develop he's like uh, it's I, I, I applaud him for that yeah and for those of you who aren't quite as plugged into the data who haven't seen the comparisons between Reese Nelson and Kylian Mbappe our official stats partner, Scott J. Willis of Canon Stats, he did compare Radar to Radar, killing Mbappe to Reese Nelson. He is too scared to tweet it out because he is a coward. If this episode gets a certain number of views that we'll, we'll decide later on when we look at how many episode listens it got, we will release the chart. All right, we will, we will go behind the back of Scott J. Willis and release the chart ourselves. Uh, my slander center, so I'm going to do this. I think, uh, I'm going to slander a lot of people. And uh, I'm going to do it in reverse order so you can play at home and try to figure out the theme of who I'm slandering. Moises Caicedo, Timothy Castagane, Thomas Party, Jakob Kivior, Urien Timber, Ben White, Takahiro Tomiyasu, Alex Dinchenko. I should have done Tierney at some point there. It's the Arsenal fullback room, both actual and hypothetical. We have a fullback issue. We have an injury crisis because Tomiyasu is permacroc. We unfortunately confirmed it. Um, I had to sell my ESR stock with his most recent injury. 
this Tomiyasu injury is where I'm selling my Tomiyasu. So it's not a moral failing of his. I'm not attacking the man. It simply is what it is. Tomiyasu cannot be relied on. His body is unfortunately made of glass, and that leaves us in a crisis. Uh, Moises Caicedo, you shouldn't have been a $100 million midfield bum for Chelsea. You should have been a $100 million baller right back for Arsenal. Thomas Party, if you're not in prison right now, if you are listening to this, you need to get your ass back on that pitch and play right back and run until your legs inevitably give out after 70 minutes. But we need those 70 minutes. Ben White may be having a midlife crisis. Um, Moham, one of our big fans, learned months ago, maybe even years ago, he identified Ben White's hairline as suspect. We're now seeing it. Ben White is very actively balding, and I think it's impacting his form. We're in trouble. We've got to make it through the festive fixtures, this difficult packed December month, playing Zinchenko, Gabrielle, Saliba, White, basically every game, every meaningful game. We take PSV off. And then in January, we have to buy a defender. But honestly, we, we might need to buy two defenders in January. We need a couple of these hybrid dons. We need the guys who are supposed to be Yuri and Timber and Takiro Tomiyasu who can play multiple positions, both fullback roles, and we need them in a hurry because there is a crisis, a slander-worthy crisis in the Arsenal fullback room. Just a heads up to Ben White if you're listening. If your hairline's receding, uh, peroxide to the hair is not a good idea. It, it actually has the reverse effect of bringing hair back. Uh, it seems like I think maybe he fucked it so badly because he, he was... After the peroxide came out of his hair, he we didn't see him for weeks. Uh, I know he's praying for us to for Galatasaray to advance to the knockout stage, and we get we get paired with or we get them in the group uh, in the knockout stage, so he can knock kill two birds with one stone, get the hair treatment done, do the Gabrielle, and then fly back. Um, yeah, there. It's funny because. Uh, we were linked with the defender before the Tomiyasu injury, and now we have the Tomiyasu injury, and it's like shit. Like we actually really need one now. People were mocking Arteta for for uh, for being linked to the defender, but I think he knows. I think he knows what's going on with Ben Wright. I think he knows Tomiyasu's permacroft. He knows that Cedric is one more injury away from getting league starts. Uh, he knows Kivior, you know, needs needs more time. Um, and he saw what happened when when Saliba went down last last year, so he doesn't want that again. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm with you. We have an issue that we probably should never thought we would have had beginning of the season. I think if anything, we said we need, don't need any more defenders. Let's work on get a midfielder now. But uh, if you want to rely on Thomas Party, uh, good luck with you. Um, I will not be. Declan Rice, start warming those legs up. You're going to be playing fullback on one of this one of these games, and Jorginho playing in the midfield. Uh, Reese Nelson might have to we might have to we might have to get you at right back. Mohamed um, Elneny maybe at right Elneny, back. Saka, yeah. Saka, even you don't, you don't we're, we might we might get to the end times, but I think we're just praying there's no more injuries between now and the winter break because if we can get to the winter break how we are right now, I think we'll be fine because I think Tomiyasu should be back around that time if not right before that time so he does uh, go asian cup this year there is a mid-season asian cup if he if he really wants to do a thomas party where you want to keep going away for cups when you're just coming off injury um fair play to you won't be at the club much longer you're not getting that contract extension i think i think arteta is pretty strict on that uh last year fucked us and i I think if if i think tommy is smart enough to know not to do that if he's borderline um, I don't think the Asian Cup means much for Japan because I think they'll qualify for the World Cup anyway. I don't know. Dude, guys love national football. You know? they, they love their national teams. We'll see. I, I'm skeptical about that last part. I'm not skeptical about Tomiyasu's contract negotiations. He, his agent is definitely uh, throwing things in his office currently because he was nearly there for that sweet, sweet commission. Uh, it's tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I, of course, did not list Cedric as part of the Arsenal fullback room because we all know Cedric is in the media department at Arsenal. Um, I think Cedric and El Nani are actually both on on staff as videographers filming fun content. They, they have Fremy's job, basically. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully we make it through this December period. Uh, we do want to move things on quickly because we do have one last segment here. It's been, I think, months since we've done this because Arsenal do not concede goals. We, as you likely know, have crafted the ultimate advanced metric for acknowledging goals and understanding why they've happened. We're a defensive-focused team. We're a defensive-focused podcast. 
So now I hand you expected balance lost to attackers via mistakes and errors. It's time for X blame. Uh, I want like a music bumper here where we get some real intense, like sci-fi type sounds here. We're going to start in the wolves match. I think we know where the bulk of this one's going. I think the calculators are spitting out some results early on where most of this X blame goes. Matthias Cunha, um, I think he's the one who takes it off of, uh, is, is gifted the ball by Tomiyasu, but I think it does ping pong to Nelson Semedo, who gets an assist on this one by playing it back to Cunha uh, for really a lovely finish. I, I like Cunha. That's a good player. Namix, let's let's run your, your somewhat simpler. You have fewer cores in your computer processor. Let's let's run your simulation here. Yeah. Are we going 100% Sincheco, or is there other x to go around? Well, first of all, we're going to add the music uh, in, in post uh, to this section, uh, but I actually, my calculators tell me 1.3 Zinchenko X-Blame there. And that's because this wasn't the first error he made this game. He did it a couple times before this where he made a stupid pass. And and thankfully, Wolves were crap because of it. Uh, so yeah, it's 100% Zinchenko. If, if, if I could be more than 100% Zinchenko, I would. It was so stupid. It was so sloppy. It was so unneeded. And it caused, it caused such a great day to turn into such a fucking unneeded, stressful day. Uh, so definitely 1.0 X blame for Zinchenko. Yeah, so we definitely might need to configure your setup a little there for uh, going over one. Uh, we, I'm actually not quite seeing this as 1.0 Zinchenko. I'm seeing this as 0.99 Zinchenko and 0.01 on Declan Rice because he should know better than to give Zinchenko the ball in an area where his bozo gene can shine so brightly. Um, well, if we're going to go that way, we got to go, we have to go 0.98 Zinchenko, 0.01 Rice, 0.01 Gareth Southgate for yeah. giving Declan Rice uh, such poor management that he passes, he remember he thinks to pass the ball to Zinchenko. In Absolutely. So that's how we do run this one down. Southgate, you are now at 1.01 expected blame on the year. Uh, Zinchenko, that's actually Zinchenko's first X blame so far this year. So that's uh, impressive for the Ukrainian there. 0.98. And Rice gets 0.01, bringing up his not total. By, not by lack of trying, though. He did. He has tried in the past. <laughs> he does his best. On the X-Blame radar, but uh, he didn't make it thanks to certain players. On to the Luton game. Where, I mean, my, I need to invoice the club for my electricity bill, running all this X-Blame from the Luton game. I mean, my computer has been going. It's, it's overclocked. It's cranking. There's, like, smoke coming out of it, factoring all this X-Blame in. We're going to start with, I think, the more interesting one. Oso or Osho, the the brilliantly worked set piece, well delivered, some man marking issues, maybe some Nicholas Yover issues. Where's your exploit going for that first Luton goal, the one that does not feel like it's solely on David Raya's head? Uh, 0.7 I have for Jover. Um, you know, it just it's just terrible man marking. Uh, terrible. Just it, it's like a team that didn't know the, that the other team had tall extremely athletic players because everyone in the world could see where they're going to try to go for the ball. Uh, and then the other point three, I'm going to go to the whole back line. If that's possible, that everyone who is defending the corner at that point, wh- whoever they are, do the math and equally distribute explain to each one of them, because it was such a pathetic marking there. It, nobody jumped. It was wide open. I mean, it's a great ball. Don't get me wrong. Um, I don't think as much Raya could do. He yet he did have Pickford Pickford arms in that in that situation. So we'll give him we'll give him point one because of his Pickford arms because he it was kind of a pathetic dive. Uh, but I, I don't think there's much you could have done there. But yeah, I, I just I think it was just a collective similar to the Polina goal at home off the corner, just a poor marking from everybody, and it, it was it was just, it's a nice header, but it's just terrible marking. And that of course would make our first X blame ever aside to Gabrielle or Saliba, and I think they're both getting... Uh, uh, this is tricky. I'm actually going to give Declan Rice uh, a split of this as well. I think he's actually the closest defender to the man on this one. We might play this back, but we're going to therefore give 0.70 over, 0.1 to Raya, and 0.05 to Rice, Gabrielle, White, and Saliba, uh, because if you're expecting Zinchenko to contest corners, that is a you issue. That is not. That's not on him. On to perhaps the easiest X-Blame of the year, or is it? Adebayo, a jumping contest with a man allowed to put his arms over his head. Namix, are, are the laws of the game at fault here? Should goalkeepers maybe not be allowed to put their arms over their head so they don't get a false sense of security? It's going to be 0.95 for David Raya. Um, 
as someone who played goalkeeper, not at a high level, but played it at a at a level enough that I understand how to play it. I've been trained in it. Um, that is an easy punch for 99% of goalkeepers in the league. Well, we'll say 90. Well, we'll say 80 because there's a lot of bad goalkeepers in the league. That's an easy punch for 80% of goalkeepers in the league. Declan Rice gets 0.05 uh, explained there. Not really his fault. He's getting outjumped by an absolute specimen of a human. Also getting a hand to the throat before like that, that specimen jumped in the air. But just by virtue of being in the area and not in the still images and stuff not showing like he's jumping i think he has to receive at least some um i don't think that's any jover fault because i think that once again the goalkeeper should be there the goalkeeper should punch it i'm not saying the goalkeeper should collect it you know that's that's not you never should try to collect that in that situation i just think raya's asleep Raya doesn't realize is not aware of his surroundings and he doesn't he doesn't have any confidence when he came out for that one uh so 0.95 for david raya yeah, so I actually I, I upgraded my PC a couple months ago. I got those um, 3D cores in there, and I think they're seeing one small angle that you're missing, Nomics. Uh, 0.9 to Raya, 0.05 to Declan Rice, and of course 0.05 for Anaki Kana. Um, both in the general Anaki Kana leave my club sense, and in the maybe he didn't tell David Raya to not get out jumped by by attackers uh, when he's allowed to use his hands. So. Uh, and I think kind of is fi- is five foot four. Um, mm. There could be there could be a, an issue where he's not working during this time as he's in the North Pole helping the elves <laughs> for their for Christmas time. I thought the um, issue might be uh, kind of <laughs> just thinks Raya is a huge hulking goalkeeper. You know what's the difference between yeah, that could be it too. five yeah, eleven like and six eight when you're five four. I do and, like uh, my theory a little bit more though. Uh, yeah, it, it is the first night of Hanukkah uh, as we record this, so. Uh, from one Jewish gooner to the other ones out there, you know, have a, have a happy Hanukkah. Um, we don't we don't use elves. Um, and, yeah. and thank you, thank you to our Jewish listeners for letting me have uh, tomorrow off from work. Uh, the legal profession full of Jewish people, and wow. I love them all. I work in tech. I do not have tomorrow off. This is shameful stuff. Fantastic. On to our final goal of this explain segment: Ross Barkley. Under the arm of David, I think if he had stood still, that ball would have hit off of Raya's foot and and not gone in. Um, I, I'm seeing, so I think this is where the more advanced model I run sees some noise. Uh, nomics, I'm seeing maybe some suggestion on blame for um, Frank Lampard for not getting the most out of Ross Barkley as clearly a, a champion level player. I'm seeing some blame for Dennis Bergkamp for allowing Ross Barkley to channel his spirit on the pitch for 90 minutes at Luton. But I think this is a lot of just noise in the model here, Namics. I'm thinking this one's angling a lot towards David Raya. Yeah, um, there's only one other person than David Raya that gets X-Blame here. Uh, David Raya gets 0.99 X-Blame. This is the tr- easiest save in the Premier League. It's, it's right at your left foot. Not that much pace, honestly. They, no matter what they tell you, it wasn't that it wasn't hit that hard. It wasn't like a powerful shot. Um, if you look at the lead up to the goal, David Raya makes himself very small the whole time. His hands are like this. If you're, I know it's an audio medium, but FFG can see his hands are tucked in like this the whole time for the like the twenty to thirty seconds before that shot comes. It's like he's made himself as small as possible. Which, if you didn't know, as a goalkeeper, you want to make yourself really, really big, not really, really small. Unless you're playing popcorn on a trampoline, you don't want to make yourself that small. Uh, and I'm going to give point zero one to Ross Barkley, and that's because he fell off so much that he's playing for Luton at home against Arsenal. How can you let your career go that far? You shouldn't even be in the situation where you're scoring against Arsenal for Luton. You should be you should be at a top side or a bigger club, you know, not playing against us, you know. That you should be you should you you ruined your career. So 0.01 x playing to Ross Barkley. Yeah. At the worst, Ross Barkley should have taken one of those bizarre like Barcelona free transfers where right, you're a mediocre Chelsea player and the some Alex Song, the Thomas Allen, something like the, that. The the Andres Christensen, right? He should be in Italy or Spain playing on on a massive free transfer contract from a sporting director who didn't watch him that much at Chelsea. I agree with this. We're going 0.99 to Raya, 0.01 Ross Barkley. This it's embarrassing. It's shameful that you're at Luton town right now, Ross Barkley. Um, for the folks keeping track at home, this does make David Raya our overwhelming leader in X blame on the year. He is now at 2.95 X blame. He was a narrow second coming into this week behind Gareth Southgate, who was at 1.01 X-Blame now. Um, 
that may cause in some to question the legitimacy of our model. And I say to you, uh, you are fools and you do not know ball. This has been quite a ride, Nomics. Uh, we, we covered a lot of footy here. We covered a lot of X-Blame here. Um, we covered a lot of topics. I think before we send this one home, I've got just a couple remaining mailbag questions for you. I assume you're not checking these, which is how they should work. Uh, unprep. Starting with an easy one. I'm going to give you a, a softball one to get started here. TG Shampoo wants to know. Any transfers? Um, I... Rumors Zinchenko spotted in Orlando in Arsenal training kit. Wow. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. Uh, Askam wants to know. So he linked this GoFundMe um, that fans are trying to raise 25 million pounds to pay West Ham more for Declan Rice. Uh, I know some of our listeners are impressionable. Some are children. Some are just not particularly smart. Um, We love you anyways. Don't worry. Do not give your money to this scam GoFundMe. Give it to the Carpet Chat Patreon, a very smart use of your funds, a much better use. But he wants to know, ask him, in our professional opinion, when is the right time to start a similar exercise to increase our fee to Chelsea for Kai Havertz? Uh, First of all, we need to... It's sad to see how far the New York Jets have fallen when Zach Wilson is creating a GoFundMe for Arsenal uh, is that Zach uh, Wilson who made that? It's called, his name is Zach Wilson. This is why he didn't want to go back to playing, right? He, yeah, he's, he's busy. He's too busy scamming people for $25 million, making his money that way. But, um, you know, I, 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 don't, I, I think we have to keep just raising the, the, the demand for for Chelsea because they, they're, they're going to try to get Havertz back if he continues this form. So just we're going to ask for $100 million. I'm going to scam them out of more money. Yeah, the, the thing about the Havertz fee is it was actually artificially low because of COVID. Kai Havertz is a 100 million pound player currently, obviously. Kai Havertz was a 100 million pound prospect at Leverkusen, but he moved in the summer of 2020. No one knew what the football economy would look like. No one knew what the world economy would look like. No one knew what the world itself would look like. And as a result, he only moved for like 80 million instead of the 100 million he should have moved for. So obviously you remove that COVID event from there. He probably goes for 120 to Chelsea because they love an overpay on the 100 million pound prospect. And then we buy him for 100 million after they can't figure out what to do with him. Uh, you know, it's like a, a draw Felix type of thing. Um, so I, I see where you're coming from, Askham, but this is this is market conditions that led to the cheap, cheap bargain that is Kai Havertz, transfer fee and wage both. Um, both, both are cheap. Both are pretty much free. Um, oh, Dylan Savage wants to know why do Americans have no ball knowledge? Um, English people, you've been playing this sport for 150 years. You still don't understand the midfield. Um, you think Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard was a, a midfield duo because they both scored goals and you don't know how to evaluate the midfield except counting goals and, and maybe assists. Um, you are mudded. Your nation is mudded. Don't talk to me. Yeah. And you guys have as many world cup, uh, victories as the u.s does in the last 30 years 40 years whatever long it's been it's like 60 uh, i think yeah 60 years yeah same amount uh and we just started playing playing football the last few years also you guys invented the word soccer and then forgot about it or or passed it to the u.s for, and because we started playing the sport you chose to hate that word now um i also hate that word but it's your fault that that word is in the around in the dictionary um and try to beat us in a world cup beat the u.s in a world cup that's all i ask that's all i ask right just 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 beat us in a world cup still a can of that blue can of heinz beans still in my cabinet from if england had beaten the u.s in the world cup they did not so i will not eat that eat that garbage of course not um and i mean come on, our, our star boy is named bukayo soccer how can you how can you not think arsenal are an american club Last question. I think this lets us do a tiny bit of weekend preview-nomics. We'll wrap it up with this one. Playboy Corny wants to know, how many goals will Dougie, which is, of course, how some Douglas Luiz fans refer to Big Doug, number six, the god of midfield, get past us this weekend? He, of course, plays for Aston Villa, where we journey, uh, following their thrashing of Man City. I think to answer that question, you have to answer another question. is How many corners is Aston Villa going to get? Uh, whatever however many corners they have on the in-swinging side is how many goals he will score um, unless Ramsdale starts. Uh, so that that is the short way of answering your question. Ramsdale has conceded an Olympico to Douglas Luiz. This has happened. So I, 
it's know, almost like we forget the foul that was on Ramsdale. Maybe but. maybe a Ramsdale Ooh. start means only a brace of Olympicos for Doug Luis instead of a hat trick of Olympicos. But yeah. I also I also do want to talk to some of the Discord members here. Um, earlier this season, this year, you guys were criticizing the uh, the the away kits. Um, all I gotta say is just just keep following our away record with the with the yellow kits uh, in the Premier League this season. Just you know, just keep following it for me, please. Let me know at the end of the season how it looks. Yeah, uh, you know, they they can't all be the pink kit, but uh, at least we actually wear these. Um, Nomix, I think that just about wraps that one up. Um, at, but I think I think because we, I know we, we talk about a lot about football here, but we also have a political channel. Uh, we give the best political takes. Last night was a Republican primary or a Republican debate with the, just the brightest minds in the world uh, where they talk about the biggest issues in the world as well. Uh, and they come to a mutual agreement and they select who should be the nominee. I just want to give my full and utter support to one specific candidate, and that is 